Sorry about that. <laughs> Got in my chair there. You surprised me. I didn't think we were ready to get started. Okay. I was just, I was just chatting. Jeez. Taskmaster. <laughs> All right, Reggie, are we ready to go here? Let me get the mic set. All right. All right, I like where the, uh, the needles are bopping, so keep them there. I'll give you the uh, three S's. I'll give you the uh, countdown. You give me the music, and I'll give you a podcast. That's the agenda for today's recording session, as opposed to any all the other ones, right? <laughs> all right, uh, let's go. Put it in the book, episode 257. 257, all right? Here we go. Star, smile, strong. Go get him, Jim. Here we go. Ready? Yeah? Give me a thumbs, here, thumbs up. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Or we are found wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Also, as I say on every podcast... Your listening is certainly appreciated, but your involvement goes much deeper when you're a regular listener of this podcast. It's your job to get out on the streets, spread the word. So send a link, send a message to your friends, your families, your neighbors, anybody who listens to podcasts. Let them know that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be bookmarked on their computer or stored in their mobile device, whatever device they use to listen to a podcast. We should be there. Your loyalty and devotion, and of course, that extra little effort is always appreciated. And also, don't forget, if you like what you're hearing, go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section, hit the prompt for this, and you will find all previous 256 episodes of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, which can only mean one thing. Welcome to episode 257. Uh, last uh, podcast, episode 256, I was talking about uh, comedians and specifically late night TV hosts. And how over the last four years, they have become overtly political, and it'd be nice if we could just remember laughter. Does anybody remember laughter? And uh, it just seems to, it just this past week, since that posted, oh, you know, I've, I've just seen, you know, the, the shows get even more political. And now, you know, since since last week's posting, the George Floyd verdict was announced, and obviously political ramifications of that, and so more political talk, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm missing the funny. Late night talk shows, as I said, and comedians are meant to bring the funny, but they seem to be thinking that it's their job to bring the political agenda. And, uh, and I've always felt like, entertainment to a great extent 
is meant to be an escape or diversion from the everyday trials and tribulations and the especially in today's world the 24-hour news cycle and the 20 the 48 hour it seems connectivity and, and and opinions of everybody on everything shouldn't we have a little distraction a little escapism to to just take a step away and just enjoy ourselves for a while and as opposed to being inundated with all this heavy opinion and 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 you know the problems of the world yeah we know there's a lot of problems but every so often it's nice to just you know revert into a little world of uh, a safe haven where where we're not touched by that all the time and that's what i try to do with this podcast especially over the last several years uh, i think the podcast in terms of uh, its subject matter has evolved and changed and that's good I wouldn't want it to be the same. There's some things that are very much the same about it, and there's some things that I like about that, and I hopefully you do too. You know, I, I, the beginning of the podcast always starts pretty much the same way with with the with my bitches back theme song, and uh, and I say that basically the same stuff in in introducing it. And I think there's something nice about the stability and the repetition of that. It seems that you come if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis you can expect that's the beginning it's like it's like once again the tonight i talk about late night tv shows it's like the tonight show the old tonight show theme song when you heard you knew it was time for the johnny carson show and all that it encompassed you didn't know what exactly that night show is going to be about so that was the mystery and the difference and the appeal but when you heard that sound, it hopefully, it may, at least for me, it made me feel comfortable. It made, me, it made that feel familiar that I knew what I was in for to some extent. And now I wanted to watch and see what they had planned. And so that's kind of the way I look at the podcast. So, yeah, that's why I started the same way all the time. It's not out of laziness or out of non-creativity. I believe that there's something to be said for, for some aspects that just be build a little tradition and create that kind of familiar, comfortable um, setting. And then after the intro, who knows what's going to be next? Sometimes I don't even know, and I'm certainly sure you don't either. And hopefully that's what makes it fun and interesting and entertaining and provocative, and it hopefully makes you come back all the time. But the idea ultimately is to provide, at least nowadays, you know, before, uh, when I listen back, and I go, I even go back and listen to earlier podcasts just to see... Uh, how things sounded and and what I talked about and and my style and everything else it, it helps me and say oh wow I, I well I, I would never have done that again and certainly I still try to remain topical on things but I also try to to you know whatever the topics may be I also try to 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 inject them with a little levity and a little fun in the midst of even if it's a, if it's a serious topic um. But certainly over the last four years, uh, this podcast has been going on now for almost uh, five years. Next month will be the fifth anniversary. So almost, you know, since this podcast has been in existence, uh, we've been in a very divisive and polarized country, if not world, but certainly in this country. 
And uh, so that's why I've tried to move the podcast in a direction that uh, is a little escape, as I said before, a little diversion from the, 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 the ordinary. You can get all that everywhere else, hopefully. The idea of, of what I want to bring forth on this podcast is something that you're not going to find anywhere else. And that's why I like to talk a lot about things that happen to me personally. Hopefully, my stories are relatable to you. But uh, you know, to just go through the headlines or go online and scroll and find a story, you can do that. You can do that. Or the news can do that. Or the internet does that. Blogs do that. My goal is to give you something that you can't find anywhere else. And um, so I have strayed, or not strayed, but I've stayed away from getting overtly topical on a lot of subjects. Believe me, I would certainly uh, enjoy that and, and, and think it would certainly have some merit. And I certainly have my opinions on a lot of issues of the day. However, I have refrained from that for the most part. And sometimes I've, I've gotten on my soapbox, and I, and I have no problems with doing that. My soapbox is very big, and, it, and, uh, and I love to get on it, believe me. And the people in my personal life certainly know that. I am not afraid to uh, share and um, defend my opinion or position on things. And I've done that here, too. But as I said, over, when I've, as, as the cacophony of our culture has gotten louder... Uh, I didn't think that it was my place to add to that. Why add to that? Because then you just become part of the white noise. My goal is to cut through the white noise for you. For my own sake, to maybe do something interesting and unique and offer that and challenge myself on a weekly basis. And also to give you something to listen to that is not just what you've heard before, just in maybe a little different way. Especially in today's world, sadly... Uh, we are not really listening to other people's opinions. We're not listening. Now, I, I as I've said many times, uh, I'm a news junkie. I'm a, a political junkie. I listen and watch all different types of media. I watch MSNBC and CNN and Fox News, sometimes within the same evening, just to see how all sides are talking about a specific issue. I will read... Uh, you know, uh, some liberal-minded you know publications, newspapers with a with a more liberal bent, and I will also read some conservative publications and newspapers to get both sides. So I'm open to that because I think I can learn from both sides. I don't have all the answers. Nobody does. No one side is completely right, and no one side is completely wrong. Sadly, I think because of social media, uh, we have turned into a, you're either on my side or you are against me. And that's why we're kind of stagnant now. And we've been stagnant for a, for a while because we can't get anything done. Because the two sides on anything won't listen to one another. You know, they put up, you know, talk to the hand. Remember that? Remember that whole phrase, talk to the hand? There's a giant hand in the country today. 
So, like I said, I've I've um I've tried not to get overtly uh, political uh, on this podcast, and and today I don't intend on being political, but I do want to talk about an issue that I think is important, and sadly has been politicized. And I do this once again to share my experience, in that it can maybe both entertain and perhaps help you. Many times I've said that the whole idea of this podcast is uh, to create a relationship with you and, and to create a dialogue. That's the, that's the cool thing about podcasts. They are very personal. They, uh, most people are listening to them individually, much different than when um, you're listening perhaps to uh, another medium of whether you're watching television or, or listening to the radio. You may be listening to the radio by yourself as well in a car sometimes. But many times, you know, there's a lot of people listening at the same time to a radio or watching a television. But podcasts are really a choice. Certainly uh, radio and television can be a choice. You might, you know, you decide what to watch, but other people may have an input in that. But certainly a podcast is a very personal decision. You are for the most part, by yourself when you're listening to a podcast. And you are making a decision which one to listen to and which not to. So my goal as the host of this is, and the creator, <laughs> is to hopefully, uh, you know, on a regular basis, create that kind of a relationship with you. Even though it, the whole world can listen to this, has access to it, at the same time, it's very individualized. So it's, a, it's, it's an interesting dynamic of the podcast. It's, an, it's a universally, um, it's universally accessible, but it's individually used. And that's an interesting aspect. And I think that you have to play to the medium and play to your audience. So that's how I've always uh, approached this as being a, a, a dialogue speaking to you. Now, I don't know who you are all the time, but I know there's a you out there. And so that's why I try to uh, bring in things from my personal life and talk about uh, bigger issues. But also, when, you, when I talk about bigger issues, I always try to, to uh, you know, drill down and to make it very personalized. And then it's up to you to decide whether you think what I've been saying is a bunch of BS or whether it has some merit or whether it was just some fun, uh, idle distraction, escapism for an hour. Whatever it is, whatever reason you come here, it's my goal to deliver that to you on a regular basis. But however you define what I what this podcast is, if you like it, hopefully... Then uh, and you come back every week. Then I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But I have um, just so you know, you might say, "Geez, uh, Jim, why are, why haven't you commented on this? Or why are you you know why are you telling me about uh, you know when a, when a repairman comes over instead of you know talking about important issues of the day? Shouldn't you be talking about that? Or why aren't you interviewing people about different things? If you've noticed, I I don't I don't I don't have guests on the podcast, and I certainly could. And I certainly enjoy listening, and every so often I do when I think it's it you know it merits it. But once again, it seems like that's what everyone else does. Now, granted, I mean a, a, you know an interesting interview is is fun, and an interesting conversation with somebody you find interesting. I get that, but that also to me seems to be a little easy. It's it's taking 
a little of the burden and a little of the responsibility off me and onto that other person. Now, they may be, um, you know, uh, conveying some important information or funny information. I'm not discounting the importance or the advantage of having a guest on there. But I believe that between other podcasts out in the world and television shows, interview shows and news shows, everybody has guests. I am not so arrogant to think that I don't need guests. But once again, in my view, to create this podcast as a niche, as something different, as something a little off the beaten path, that's why I've stayed away from getting guests. I could get guests. I have a lot of, I've been in this business for a long time. I have a lot of connections. I know a lot of people. Um, but I just think that, and if I did that, maybe I would start another podcast with that kind of an accent to it. But I like the way this podcast has developed. And so I'd rather just it be a dialogue between you and I. Now, every so often, I will have a regular contributor like Emily. And earlier on in the podcast history, I had a good friend of mine in a radio um, veteran, Mick Kaler, on. And hopefully, now that we have new technologies, hopefully Mick can can, um, come back every so often because now we don't need to be in the same place anymore. Uh, given his time constraints. But I've had Emily on. I have her on a regular basis. I usually have her on a lot more regular. But I've also felt like, okay, you know, let's mix it up. And then this way, you know, when she comes on, it's a little more special. But I, I love and enjoy our conversation and our give and takes. And I'm glad that we don't always agree. And I, and it's fun for me to be able to poke fun at her and, and back and forth and we give and take. And so I enjoy that. Don't get me wrong. But I also, as I said before, think that... Uh, if I can carry a conversation for an hour and make it interesting, that's a challenge for me on a weekly basis to be able to do that. And and hopefully it's, from your standpoint, interesting to want to stay along for the ride. Maybe some people go, what the hell is this? And they click it off, never come back. Well, how come he doesn't have guests? How come he doesn't talk about politics? How come he doesn't talk? You can find that out there. What I'm trying to do is create something a little different, a little familiar, but also a little different, a little comforting, but also a little edgy, a place that you want to come back to on a weekly basis. So as I said at the beginning, I have refrained from getting very topical or, and it's not because I didn't want to or I'm afraid to, certainly not. I'm not afraid to talk about anything. I've probably gotten in a lot of trouble for some of the things I've said, but, um, but I just felt like, especially in today's world, it just seems everybody's doing that. And perhaps, perhaps this, this podcast could, could have been, or could be a lot more popular if I did go that route. But then I don't think I would enjoy it that much because it would feel like it was just like going into the the pod the excuse me the podcast playbook and finding out okay what is everybody else doing what what pushes people's buttons um and uh you know what is going to grab uh the biggest amount of likes Don't get me wrong. I'd love for this to be a, a huge podcast that has millions of listeners. And, you know, I don't get paid for this either. This I'm just doing this because I enjoy it. 
wouldn't be bad to make a little money off of it, but I don't charge for this. I don't get paid for this. So in that case, uh, I feel the freedom to do what I'd like to do, and it's up to the audience to decide whether they want to keep listening or not. But at the same time, I don't want to turn you off either. If you're a loyal listener, you've come to expect things from me, and um, I don't want to just make a quick U-turn or a quick detour and go, well, well what happened here? What happened to... Where, where are his stories about, you know, the, the goofy little things that happened to him? Or where, what, where is the, the latest story about the, the latest repairman who had to come over to the house when he called the man? <laughs> but I think there are times when you do have to confront some things that, 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 that are affecting our lives and affect, affecting my life as well. So that's what I'd like to just talk about briefly today. It doesn't have to be political. Sadly, the entire pandemic and now the vaccine has become political. I don't know why. I would think health, safety, and public health would be able to transcend partisan politics. But my gosh, not only has it not transcended it, it has become a major force in partisan politics. So I bring this up today because just uh, the other day, I got my dose-dose, if you will. That's what I've been calling it now, my dose-dose. For those of you who don't speak uh, a foreign language, I, of course, am versed uh, in many uh, foreign languages in in addition to English, uh, including Spanish, si, amigo, usted y yo, I took three years of Spanish in high school, and I have traveled, and I have learned a few little, uh, to the different countries around the world, so I have learned a few little phrases. Uh, I mean, I don't know, is there some kind of a, um, of a, uh, an extent of a language that, that you can honestly say that you speak, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, I speak seven languages. Don't you hear that a lot? Now I sound like Andy Rooney. Do you ever wonder... Um, no, but a lot of you say, oh, yeah, I speak four languages. I speak seven languages. I always hear this term, I speak seven languages. For some reason, seven. I hear that a lot. It seems to be like the, the key number if you're, if you're multiversed in languages. Seven seems to be the one you want to always aim for. But I'm wondering now, what, what constitutes you being able to speak seven languages? Does that, does that mean that you can completely, you have completely mastered another language with the same proficiency as you speak in your native tongue. Does that mean that for those seven languages, for instance, that you speak, is, are there any words, are there any phrases, are there any things that you don't know how to say? Because if there are, then I don't know if you really speak seven languages. Or... Can you get credit for speaking seven several languages if you don't know every word or phrase, but you know a few, enough to get you by? Before the pandemic, my wife and I traveled quite a bit. We went to many foreign countries. And beforehand, I would get a travel book or go online and look for phrases that I would need that would help me get around and how to pronounce them correctly. And I would study those 
before we went on our trip and I would take those with me. And, and, and even before every day before we would go out to explore a city in a foreign country, I would have my little uh, list of, you know, I love lists. This is why I love lists. I would have my little list and I would, uh, I would go over some of the phrases that I would need for that day in that country, whether it was where is this, how do I get there, how much is this, um, w- ways to say thank you and please and things like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about you know, you know, where is a bathroom. I'm not worried about you know, there's a blue cow near a green street. I'm not that word. I'm not worried about that. But you know, useful everyday phrases that that we all use. As we go out into the world on a, de- on a regular basis, I try to learn those. So I don't know. Am I, am I versed in Italian? You know, I've been to Italy and France and Spain and several uh, you know, Eastern European countries. My wife and I have traveled quite a bit. Um, and, I, and I don't even know if I remember them all offhand. But I know at the time I, I was versed in many languages. So now can I say that I speak? All those languages or not? I don't know if there's like some official phrase that you have to know X amount of words, X amount of phrases. You have to be able to conjugate X amount of verbs in order to uh, officially state that you speak a language. I don't know. But um, as I said, I, uh, I'm looking to talk about you know, this idea of, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't know why the the pandemic has gotten so politicized and as i said before i had my dose dose i was trying to figure out how how did i get on this <laughs> if you listen to this podcast regularly you know that i will go off on tangents i on my official script here folks you know on page 7 uh, it does not say go into a complete discussion about how to speak different languages and what qualifies you to speak. That, that was not there. I did not plan on talking about that. But my dose-dose description got me off on that. But as I always say, just stay with me. I'll get back to my topic. And, 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 and hopefully you, you can hear my thinking process because I sort of said to myself as I'm talking here, okay, I need to get back to my point. How did I get on this foreign language thing? And then I remembered, and there's probably, you probably could hear the little light bulb go on just now when I said, oh, wait a minute, that's right, dose-dose. So, yes, let me get back to my official topic here. (laughs) Yes, I took my dose, dose. That means, for those of us who speak Spanish, for those of us who are multilingual, (laughs) no, I have not taken Rosetta Stone or those other, uh, I've always wanted to. I've had, my wife and I, and here I go again, my wife and I, before the first time we went to Italy, we, uh, we we did sign up for and took a, 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 a an Italian class a night a night class in Italian I still have the book and I and I and I didn't throw it out for the simple reason that so this way I can look up my phrases and I still have so um but my dose dose is what I'm calling it dos dose so for those of you who do not speak Spanish, that means second dose. Actually, segundo is second. But uh, dos dos sounds cool. Two dose. 
I thought that sounded kind of neat. Dose, dose. So I took, I had my dose, dose this week, just two days ago, the dose, dose of the Pfizer vaccine. So now I'm hopefully in a couple of weeks, I will be officially immune to some extent, 90% or whatever the, the Pfizer, uh, you know, immunity is. Efficacy, efficacy, if you will, efficacy. That's a new word that that's we've all learned. If you haven't heard it before, the efficacy. I'm saying it wrong. Efficacy of the of the vaccine. But uh, yeah, so I, I had my my first uh, my first dose on March 30th, and and then I had dose two the other day. Dose dose. And so here we are. The reason I bring this up is I hope at this point now, one reason why I refrained from talking about this earlier was because at that time there was only specific groups that could get the vaccine. But now we have, we have reached a point now where uh, they went through those different classifications of 1A and 1B and 1C, and now it's like anyone over 16 or anyone any age. I don't know about really young kids, but almost the idea is any adult or even anybody that wants to get a COVID vaccine, you are eligible. So get out and get one. That's the message. They clearly, the, the, the Department of Public Health uh, clearly wants as many shots in as many arms as possible because I think ultimately, not just to stop the pandemic in the long run, but for the short term, they want to get as many people vaccinated because they know in another month and a half, when it is the beginning of, of summer in late May or early June, that especially after a year now and over a year of this, that most people are just going to do whatever they want to do. They are going to forget about the masks, forget about the social distancing, just like they did last year. And that was only a couple of months of quarantining and stay, of sheltering in place. Now it's been over a year in theory. And now that they have the vaccine, people are going to feel like they are immune, even though they are not. The vaccine is certainly a helpful tool, but it is not a silver bullet. It, it is not a hundred percent, does not provide a hundred percent immunity. And I've mentioned before here that uh, even during this time, I just got my second dose. I still wear a mask when I go out in public. I'm still not going to a restaurant. I will not do that in two weeks. I'm waiting for this thing to end. I will be wearing, and I will be, even when when we get the official, you know, uh, all clear, I will still be wearing a mask when I go to areas and places that have a lot of people, like airports, concerts, if they ever come back. At least for a a couple of years, I really, I, I believe I will do that. But I don't know why the vaccine for, you know, it's, isn't it been interesting, the, the, the evolution of the entire pandemic issue? So first, the pandemic itself early on got politicized within the first couple of weeks. It got politicized. And, uh, you know, there were some people that felt it was you know a hoax. There's still some people that believe it's a hoax, even though three million people, three million people have died across the world from COVID. I don't know many flus 
within a year that killed 3 million people. So to say it's a hoax or to say it's just a, a flu, I think is, is, is major delusion and major denial. 3 million people. Most people over the last year, either publicly or I've known personally, and I have known quite a few who have felt that this was not a serious problem, that it was a hoax, that it was an over-exaggeration, that we should not be shutting things down just because some people might get sick. And the scariest part has been the rationalization that initially when it was attacking older people and because they were more vulnerable given their age or their underlying conditions, well, I mean, for the most part, these people are old to begin with. So how many more, I mean, based, I've heard this, how many more years do they have anyway? Wow. I hope that wasn't their parents they're talking about. Have we gotten to that point where we don't value lives? We value commerce over people's lives? And we're saying, well, I don't want to shut down the economy. I mean, yeah, a few people have died, but they were, you know, if they were over 78, they they, they lived past the average age anyway. So what more were they going to do? Wow. When people, I, I heard people say that on television as well and in my, in my personal life and, and, I've really had to refrain myself, but in you know, but in you know, in the in the privacy of my own home, I said, "Wow, that is quite a statement to say." Well, what's the difference? They lived a good life. What if that was your mom and dad who was in their eighties? Are you saying that about them? Is that okay for them to pass away? There's three million people that died, and there's three million families who lost a loved one. That's reality, folks. So if we've if we become that crass of a society, oh, it's just a few old people. Wow, what a statement. Whew. As I said many times before, the historians are gonna have a field day with us. And it's not gonna be good. Just so you know that. If Hopefully we're still around in 30 or 40 years from now. And the books are written about this time in history, especially now due to this pandemic. I guarantee you, it's not going to be good. We are not going to be called the greatest generation. We are not going to be called the generation that sacrificed or was worried about the common good we are not going to be viewed well in history. Not after the way we've been acting. Not the way we've been careless, carelessly, uh, you know, just pushing aside human life. Oh, well, it's just the flu. Well, some people die. That's, I mean, that's what I've been hearing. Wow. But it's, we started with that kind of overall view of politicizing the pandemic. Either some people staunchly, diligently fighting for and, and staying with the guidelines of social distancing and masking and, and staying sheltering in place and other people acting as if nothing ever happened. We've seen that not only in this country, but around the world. And now, interestingly, so then we had the pandemic for about seven or eight months. Then the vaccine came, and now all of a sudden a whole new set of polarizing attitudes arose 
If the ones that existed before about the pandemic itself weren't enough, then the vaccine came, and instead of being viewed as a miracle, as something that will be uh, you know, a, a, a major tool in helping us uh, to fight this and end it finally, then that became a divisive political issue. The vaccine. I would have thought that would have been a unifying factor. We all can agree that a vaccine is helpful, right? We've seen how vaccines have helped humanity in the past with diseases like polio, the measles, the chicken pox. We've seen that. So, and, and, and throughout the, the pandemic, we were all looking forward to and hoping for the vaccine. That was our goal. That was our long-term goal that, that, you know, just, you know, stay the course. The vaccine's coming. And once the vaccine comes, then at least we've got another tool. We've got another arrow in our, in our quiver here to fight this. So I thought, my gosh, when, the, when, when we finally get the vaccine, that will be a unifying factor in this entire pandemic COVID world that we've been living in now for more than a year. And then ironically, instead of being the unifying factor that it should be and is, or at least should be, or is in theory, now the vaccine has become politicized. And there are people that won't take that vaccine. Either it's the anti-vaxxers, it's uh, you know, certain groups within um, our, uh, our, our society, some some racial groups feel that uh, medicine has been, uh, you know, has always given them the short thrift, and so they they don't trust the vaccine. Maybe there's maybe that's a valid point. The African American and the uh, the Hispanic communities are are have been have been uh, uh, you know affected by COVID much more than other groups, and part of that is the resistance now of trusting the government. I get that. Historically, we do not have a great track record, this government, on being fair and equal. I understand that. But at the same time, I do believe that when it comes to medical issues like this, like stopping a pandemic, I don't think that that inequality and racism enters into the, the mix. I think we want to save as many people as we can, help as many people as we can, regardless of the color of their skin or even their political views. We have to. But we see now that the vaccine has become political. And we're seeing people saying that they don't want to get the vaccine or they don't trust the vaccine. And now, a few weeks ago, when the J&J vaccine uh, caused um, a rare blood clotting um, reaction in a few people. Then there was a great step back and now more questioning about that vaccine. And this, I told you so, even though it was six people out of 10 million or 20 million, some crazy number. You know, once again, you know, what, what this, what we're, what we're, what we're learning about 
is, you know, we expect 100% on everything. And nothing is 100%. And medicine doesn't work that way. Early on, a year ago, when Dr. Fauci and other people were talking about a possible vaccine, this is before vac- the, 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 that the, the vaccines hadn't even begun to be worked on. The goal was hopefully within a year to, to 15 to 18 months we'll have a vaccine. Those were the original, if you go back and watch the tapes, those were the original hopes and predictions. So we exceeded that by half. We had a vaccine within eight or nine months available. And people started to get them in December. The medical community was shocked by this and impressed. Some people were skeptical. Well, how could they have done it that fast? They had to have cut corners. I don't trust it. Well, no. The idea is the reason why it became, it was fasterly, it was fasterly, it was more quickly developed was because we have used our wealth of knowledge. We weren't starting from scratch. We were building on an already established group of, of, of information. And we just added on to what we already have done in the past. That's why it took quicker. There were no major roads or, or, or steps bypassed. I truly believe that the medical community wants to help people. Everybody has a problem with their doctors. I get that. Everybody has, is a little susceptible, you know, is a little suspicious. Or blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, the medical community and doctors want to help. They want to cure. They want to treat. That's why they got into that profession. They aren't here to hurt or deceive. And the government wouldn't let this be, uh, be given to a, such a, a wide spread of people if they didn't feel it was safe. Now, at that time, not only did they hope to get a vaccine within 18 months, which we, we beat by more than half in developing one, but at that time, the experts were saying, if we can get a, if we can get a vaccine... That is at least 70% positive in, in, pre, in, in preventing this disease. That would be great. A 70% threshold would be a great thing. 70%. Now, we have the Pfizer and the Moderna developed within eight months that have a 94 95% prevention rate and even the johnson and johnson which is only maybe 75 percent in one shot is still exceeds that 70 percent threshold that we considered at a year ago would be tremendous if we can get a vaccine that's 70 percent we exceeded it with the other two but even the one that is less still exceeded what our hopes were so there's no reason not to take any vaccine and i say this because i implore you or i implore you to to pass on to your family and friends if there are people that are hesitant we are only elongating this i am a masker i am a social distancer i am i have not gone to a restaurant i have been very diligent about this I have not seen 
people indoors. I have not been to a restaurant when I've seen some friends or family. It's been it's been two or three times at the most over the last year, and it's always been outside more than six feet away and no longer than a couple of hours. I've had vacations canceled. I have had events canceled. So I have, I, I, I'm getting tired of this like everyone else, but I'm also not letting that cloud my logic and my realism. I have not let it overcome me and become selfish and irresponsible. It's not easy, but it also hasn't been that hard. I literally was wearing a mask the other day for 12 hours. I had a mask for 12 hours, and I didn't even know I had it on for that long. Wearing a mask is a mental thing that you are creating. If you have a problem wearing a mask, that is something that you're creating in your own mind. It's not that hard to wear it, especially for when most of us have to wear it. Within, we're in a store in and out or something like that. It's not that big of an inconvenience, and it's not that much to ask to stop this or help prevent this as much as we can. There is still debate over the the efficiency and the preventive measures uh, of a mask. I get that. But is it a helpful tool? Might it help? If it might help, isn't that better than no help? The vaccine. Whether it's 75% or 95%, isn't it better than no percent? I'm baffled at why people are hesitant to take this. As I said before, many people, both publicly as well as in my private life, who have said that this is a hoax, that we don't need to wear masks, that you don't need to social distance, you know what? All of them have gotten covid And many of the people that I know personally have had very serious reactions. The same people who said it's nothing but a flu later on went through two and a half to three weeks. Now, thankfully, none of my friends or family were hospitalized with it, but many of them did not have an easy go. Many of them had to go to at least a hospital to get some, uh, some, um, some you know short-term care, not stay over, but go to an emergency room with breathing problems, with pain. Two, you know, certainly had to talk to a doctor in some way if they didn't have to go physically to a to a thing. But they 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 this was not just go lay in bed and let it wear off in two days. Many of the people that I know that got COVID did not have an easy go of it, and they were the same ones who said it's a hoax. And they did let their guard down, and they did get it. Why? You didn't have to get it. You didn't have to get it. You still don't have to get it, especially now. The vaccine is not a silver bullet. It will not give you 100% immunity. But it is an important tool for not only you, and this is what I was getting about before, about history being... Mean on us, we have got to start thinking about the greater good as opposed to our personal good. That's what this vaccine is about. If you get that vaccine, you are certainly helping yourself. 
primarily, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to help yourself. But by getting that vaccine, you are also helping everyone else. Because by cutting down your ability to get this disease, you're cutting down your ability to not only getting it, but passing it on to someone else and keeping this thing going. This doesn't have to stretch into 2022. But if we keep up with what we're at now, we this will be going into 2022. And in April of 2022, I fear we'll be having this same conversation. Because I think we probably had the same conversation a year ago, last April. And here we are having it again. The same type of, 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 of conversation. The conversation has changed specifically. Now we have a vaccine to deal with, but we haven't, but we haven't eliminated the controversy and the, divis- the divisiveness within this pandemic. Now the vaccine has become a divisive issue. And I fear that if we continue to do this, in 2022, we'll be having this same discussion. It may, it may, the, the, this, the particulars, just as how it has changed from the general pandemic to now the specific vaccine, it, there might be another issue now that there arises a year from now. But we are going to continue this. We are going to elongate this until we all decide to not only care for ourselves, but care for each other. And getting the vaccine does both. And both caring for yourself and caring for others is what's going to help knock this out. We cannot beat this without those two components being our priority. Helping ourselves, yes, and also helping each other. We are forgetting the each other part. Not only in this country, but in the world. Do you know that only from what I've read here, and I've been reading about it, there's only 30 countries in the world that even have access to the vaccine. 30. There are over 150, maybe 170 countries in this world. Only 30 have access to it. So even if we beat it, let's say the United States gets the all clear and we have beaten COVID. Let's say there's some, there's some way to, dis, to, to decide that and we say we don't have a COVID problem in this country anymore. Let's say that happens by December and that's, that's pie in the sky. But let's say that happens. So what? So what? If the rest of the world has it, what have we accomplished? One step. Our goal isn't just our country. We live in a global society. It's not just us anymore. When you say get back to normal, my definition of normal, of living normal, getting back to normal, is not going to a restaurant and getting a cheeseburger in a place that has a that has that has a hundred percent capacity, is that a nor? Is that do you consider that normal? Is that normal to you? Is that what brings back normal? If you could go to a restaurant, wow, big whip. No, what normal means to me is what 
we used to be able to do, which was, especially in this country, that we could decide to do anything we wanted and go do it. So if I wanted to go to a restaurant, I did that. If I wanted to get on a plane and fly to England, I could do that. If I wanted to uh, you know, go to a concert, I could do that. Whatever I, whatever I wanted to do, I could do it. Well, right now, we can't do that. I can't get on a plane and fly to England and fly back without any consequences. As it stands right now, if you fly to England, when you get there, you have to quarantine for five days. And when you come back, you have to quarantine for 10. That's my whole trip. That's two weeks. What, I haven't done anything. I mean, if I'm going to go to London, I, have to, I can't go there for a week because five days I can't go and do anything. According to the law, I don't know what kind of, of, uh, you know, of, 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 of restrictions they have when I get there to make sure I do that, but that's the rule. So I have to add five days on to any vacation. That's not normal to me. That's not normal. So if we if just say we beat this, if the rest of the world doesn't, it doesn't matter. Normal has not returned. Normal is the ability to do what we used to do before. Is to go to a concert indoors with 20,000 people. If you say limited capacity, you can't sit next to somebody, that's not normal. So that means I can't sit in the front row where I used to want to sit because there's less seats there. That's not normal. So we have to not only do this for ourselves, and when I say ourselves, we first start with ourselves, our personal self, and then our larger extended self, in this case, your town, your state, or your country. But ourselves ultimately means the rest of the world. Now that may sound like a daunting task, but that's when things will get to be normal again. So, yes, that that should sound like a daunting task. It should sound impossible because it should sound like, oh, my gosh, I better take this seriously. The whole point of my podcast today is please, please get a vaccination. I got the first vaccination, my Uno dose, if you will. I had no reaction. I had the Pfizer Although I did about a week later, I don't know if this was a reaction to it because it was a week afterwards. It wasn't right uh, right after I got the shot. In fact, after I got the shot, I had I had no pain in my arm at all, not even around the injection site, and I had no reactions. Then a week later, for about three days, I was very tired, just very tired. And on one day, I got very dizzy. I wasn't falling down or anything, but I, I felt waves of dizziness, and then that went away. So I don't know if those were reactions to that or something else. Who knows? But I'm, it certainly didn't stop me from getting dose-dose, and now we'll see. It's only been a couple of days, but so far, second dose, which a lot of times people have said has been the one where they have gotten more reactions, physical reactions, tired, headaches, chills, fever, achy. I don't know. It's been two days. I haven't had any of those yet. So fingers crossed. 
after having, getting a lot of fatigue, at least being tired and, and being a little dizzy last time, I, I don't know what to expect, but it didn't stop me from going. I understand that there's some skepticism about the vaccine. But if we don't help each other, this is not going to stop anytime soon. We, all, we, are, we continue to do one step up and two steps back. We, want, we are never gaining ground. So please, do some research, talk to people who have had it, talk to people that you respect, people that you love, think about people that you respect, and think about people that you love. And please, make an educated decision, not an emotional one, because an educated decision will tell you to take this vaccine. This is not a game anymore, folks. It's been over a year. And it's going to go in. Things are not going to get better in two months. And I got news for you. If we don't get many people vaccine, or vaccinated, and especially young people who still think they're immune to this, even though it's been proven now that they're not, and they're driving the numbers up, June and July and August could be scary months. Because they're going to throw all caution to the wind, just like they did last year. And we saw what happened in the fall. And we're going to continue to just have these, this roller coaster of surges and you know peaks and valleys. Surges, and then it goes down. And then once it goes down, we get all excited, and we open everything up, and everybody goes crazy, and then it surges again. We've got to put a stop to that. And one of the tools we have, it's not 100%, but it's, it's better than nothing, and it's pretty darn close. It takes two seconds. It doesn't hurt. Even if it stings for a second, big deal. Do your part. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family, and do it for others. In this divisive, selfish world that we have created over the last 15 or 20 years, here's your chance to change that. Everybody has a responsibility to help change that and think about other people for once. Think about ourselves, our country, and our world. If you want normal to come back, you have to get the vaccine. If you want normal to come back, everybody has to, to, to take part. Not just your normal, everybody's normal. So I implore you, don't take my advice. Don't just take my word for it. What I'm saying to do is I'm giving you a little in, insight as to how it was for me. I got the shots. I mean, I had to, I, and, 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 if, and, and, and what, what has to happen too is it, it seems as if that, you know, this whole COVID thing is, even when, it's, when we have the all clear, I bet you we're going to have to have some kind of booster shot for many years to come because this thing is still all over the world. And hopefully we will have home test kits as time goes on and we will have enough doses that we can just go to our doctor make an appointment on our own at our leisure and get our booster shot. When I had to sign up, <laughs> when I had to sign up for my, for the, for the shots, 
Uh, I signed up in the Chicago area through the Cook County Board of Health. They had some new open areas that went close to my home. And they said one day, on Sunday morning at noon, 25,000 appointments are going to open up. So you, you log on and you get on there and hopefully you get in there. Now, I thankfully have been a, a music fan and a concert goer for many years. I employed some of the tricks that I learned from being online and getting tickets to concerts over the computer. I, I use some of my past skills for this current situation. So to get so you 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 had to log on after no, at noon, right? So I just I used my my old Ticketmaster, uh, you know, skills of getting online and getting into that getting tickets quick. I put the URL of the website, the Cook County you know Health website. I put the URL in the subject line, and then I looked at my clock on my computer, and when it when it ticked from eleven fifty nine to noon. Then I hit return, and boom, I was in. And even in that split second, I was put into a virtual waiting room, and I was one of 10,000 people waiting for 25,000 appointments. Thankfully, because I was in that, I I think the way I did it, I got in there quick, because if you waited five more minutes, you were going to be out. You would have been, you were in a virtual waiting room of 50,000 for only 25,000 appointments, so I wouldn't have gotten it. So I got in, and even with that, I was sitting there waiting for 90 minutes until finally I got in and I was able to make my appointment. Now, here's the other side of the coin. That has to change. If we have to get boosters, even in six months from now, if you need six, a booster in six months or a year, we can't keep going through this, this, you know, this concert ticket kind of process of trying to get a, uh, you know, an appointment. That's crazy, too. I understand that we've had to sort of put together this process because we, 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 we needed to get it done quickly. And so that was the, the only way we could do it. But moving forward, hopefully we, we, we will then be able to stockpile the doses and they will be available. So if, they, if getting a COVID shot becomes a normal part of our lives, just like getting a flu shot every year, then hopefully we'll have that same kind of availability. So that once again, it won't be a big task. Right now, it's not a huge task, but it's not as easy as it should be. But you still can do it. It takes a little effort. It takes a little time, but you can do it. Please, put in the time. Put in the effort. Get a shot. Get a shot for yourself, for your own peace of mind, for your own health. So you don't have to go through Getting COVID, because you never know how you personally are going to be affected by it. That's what's so insidious about it. No two people react the same. So you can't just assume that you have a light case or that you'll have no symptoms. You can't assume that. So yes, first and foremost, get a shot for yourself. But also think outside of yourself. Think about your family. Think about your friends. And yes, think about your neighbors and everyone else. Think about the greater good. We have a chance here to do something for the greater good. Let's not drop the ball. Let's rise up and do the right thing. I implore you to think 
about yourself and think about others. And if there are other people out there that you know that haven't gotten a shot, call them up. Talk to them. Try to convince them. At the very least, just try to to tell them to do a little research to see. But we're not going to end this unless we all get together. Wearing a mask and getting a shot is not that much to ask for. It's not that much of a sacrifice to help you, which is your main priority, but also to help other people, which should be one of our priorities as well. So please, mask up, social distance, wash your hands, and please get your uno dose, and get your dose dose. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Don't forget every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget, send your friends, send your family a message, a link, anything to tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and your devotion and that little extra effort is much appreciated. I hope you enjoyed episode number 257. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of the web to your screen. Get your dose, dose.